God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I think often, you know, whether we're struggling with mental health or struggling with our emotions or just tempted towards depression, the reality is I think it's pointing us to the fact that we are weak, that we're needy, and we have a God who's here ready to bear our burdens. Right, ladies, we're back at it again, being able to have a discussion for our podcast, Glow, and it's a podcast from the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network. We are four women, four beautiful women, might I add, (laughs) from four different parts of the world, Um, and we're here coming together to talk about God and His work in our lives and ministries and around the world. And today we'll be talking about mental and emotional health. And just a note, um, we're going to be talking about some sensitive related um, subjects. And so uh, we want to make sure if it might be triggering for you, uh, that you would just be mindful, just take note of that and maybe go back and listen to another one of our episodes um, until you're ready to come back to this one. My name is Blair Lynn. I'm joined by Isha De Lopez, Sharon Dickens, and Sujin Park. And um, as I mentioned, we're talking about mental and emotional health. And, you know, these are huge topics. Uh, They carry a range of definitions. So when we talk about mental and emotional health, um, sometimes the assumption is that if it isn't a a quote-unquote major issue for you, that you can kind of check out of this conversation. Um, But this is a conversation I think we all need to have, especially in light, just think of the pandemic and how much anxiety is on the rise. Um, Depression has been on the rise. I think we really need to think through this well. Uh, I personally, uh, I have struggled uh, in my life with anxiety and panic attacks, Uh, went through a really difficult season with it from 2015 to about 2019, and it just taught me so much. Um, And I know for others, um, you know, because of the pandemic, this has been brought up for the very first time. You may not even know, like, how to process uh, through these things. And so, Lord willing, we're going to talk about it, and, uh, and we pray that it would just be helpful. I think sometimes as Christians, we struggle with this idea that we have a body. Um, You know, we are body and soul. I think we so often neglect the fact that we have a body. We focus in on the spiritual uh, solely. Um, But the body is not ethically inferior to the soul at all. And I loved how we were talking earlier, and Sujin mentioned that we even struggle with this idea that not seeing the mind is a part of the body. Um, And so we feed our spirit, but we often neglect other parts of who we are and how we were created in God's image as well. So we're image bearers. We live in a body. We possess a soul, which includes the mind, the heart. Um, and, And just to note also as we have this conversation, we're not mental health professionals Um, We're sisters in Christ, you know, wanting to come alongside and just share some helpful things. Um, But we think this conversation is important to have. I want to kind of get us started by asking, um, are people in your local church having conversations, first of all, about mental and emotional health? And if they are, is there a stigma attached to it? I can start. um, I I think for us, it's a yes and no (laughs) answer, because what I've noticed is, for younger generations, so anyone in their teens or 20s, I almost feel like everything is a mental health issue. And it almost becomes overlabeled as everything is anxiety, um, everything is diagnosable. But then I think for older generations, it's the opposite. 
they don't talk about mental health. Um, it's, you know, you just got to pull up your bootstraps and get through it. Um, there's no such thing as something you can't overcome. And so I see a lot of disparity between the generations. I don't know about you guys, um, but there is definitely a stigma, I think, um, whether it is especially I think culturally for us as uh, Korean Americans, um, mental health is, doesn't exist. There's no such thing as something you can't mentally overcome. And so there's definitely that cultural stigma. I think as Christians too, because, like you said, um, everything becomes over-spiritualized. It's, a, it's a, an issue that you can overcome with faith. Um, and so there's just a lot of confusion around mental health. Um, and I think certain pockets are having conversations and certain pockets are not. Yeah. I would definitely agree. Um, I would think that, so in our context, um, particularly from um, some of the people that are more from the scheme, they're more likely to have those conversations about their mental health. And so would, I mean, some of the Christians. But there are um, many Christians who feel talking about this is like basically saying my faith is lacking. Um, and that people would, the stigma is the right words, see them as lesser Christians because they're struggling um, emotionally. And so, yeah, I would say the same as you, Sujin. Yes, I know. Yeah, I think we are beginning to see uh, more talk about this and more resources and more young people going into the field of professional mental health help. Uh, so that's encouraging. Uh, but the, you know, the, the um, trend has been that we don't understand mental health. We don't have the language to explain what's happening inside of us. And we don't have the empathy to come alongside and even learn about it. We say, you know, if, you're, if your tooth is hurting, you say, well, go to the dentist, right? Uh, if, if you've been diagnosed with cancer, nobody questions you to going into chemotherapy. But if somebody gets diagnosed with depression, you often hear things inside the church like, oh, you know, but just feel better, you know, but just, have, you know, look up, uh, you know. Uh, Read some more Bible verses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so it goes back to what you were saying. Um, it's not only uh, um, painful in itself, but it is isolating because it, then there's shame. So you, you don't talk about it. And um, so I'm glad we're having this conversation because it, I think it affects all of us. And like we said uh, in another episode, we are not even beginning to understand the, the aftermath of what um, you know, the pandemic has done to us as a generation globally. So we need to be humble enough to say, we need to learn about everything that is so mysterious about our, our minds and our bodies. Yeah. It's interesting because even I think about like African-American culture in particular and how, you know, coming up, it was like, you know, mental health issue was not a conversation that we would have at all. Um, and if anything was going on, it's like, no, you're not going to sit and talk to someone. You, you know, you don't share your business with anyone. This is something that you kind of keep in your house or privately. Um, but I, I wonder, like, I think there's the cultural stigma that can be there. But why do you think that this is happening in the Christian community? Do you guys have any ideas of why, why there's a stigma attached to us? I think we have this image of, so we have a very, I don't know what it's like over here. I think in the West, it's maybe this. We have this very twisted idea of what we think godliness is. 
Um, and we have, and it's 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 usually tied around the things that you can see, and so actually, I feel that the the stigma around this is it's like people say it themselves, I'm I'm not this godly image I think I should be, actually I'm a lesser being, I'm a lesser Christian. I've not got this. This makes me in some way, shape, or form a failure because I'm not able to um, do the things that other women can do in the church. And actually, the other women in the church are, a lot of them are, are, it's they're putting on their Sunday faces. It's not really who they are. And actually, if we looked at it, the reality is there's lots of godly women in our congregation struggling with many things and nobody's talking to each other because we were worried about how we would be perceived, seen as as Christians. So I, I do think that there's there's something to be said for that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I have to go into this and say, how I struggled with, I think, I mean, I know it was never diagnosed, but now I, I get it. And I think it was postpartum depression with my second baby. Um, and I was very, you know, one of the, the surprising feelings and thoughts that I had during that time is I was kind of angry with the older women. Mm. Why did nobody tell me? Yeah. No one talks about this in a baby shower. We're big, you know, Guatemalans are very big on parties. So, Birthdays are a month long and baby showers, you get like 10 baby showers. And One nobody in Guatemala, yes. 10 units. Yeah. And nobody ever talks about this side of what could happen and the feelings and the, uh, uh, you know, restlessness and the, and the uh, feeling of not being enough. And I felt kind of let down by my older sisters. Like, is everybody just perfect and it's me? Maybe I'm the problem. Aisha, does that make you does that make you wanna um then have that conversation oh. with the younger women oh, that I've are coming had up it. through the church? Yeah, that baby is now almost eighteen years old and I've been invited to so many baby showers and I've shocked a few older saints. Cause I'm I, I, I stand up there and I say, I have to be real with you. It may not be love at first sight. You may have, you know, struggles with you know, you, you're going to be exhausted. And, you know, I take a step to be the older sister that I didn't have. And I feel it's a responsibility to not keep on producing this facade that you're supposed to be. And a godly woman would never struggle to care for the baby or to feel capable. And that's a lie. And, and we do a disservice and we're cruel to each other when we keep up appearances. But we, it's like a vicious cycle. And I have to go back to, you know, all the prosperity uh, teachings feed. And it, it, there's an underlying belief system that doesn't allow you to be weak. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I relate so much um, even to the postpartum, you know, after having my first child. And, you know, I think... I, I was telling someone yesterday, you know, when it came to marriage, everyone was like, it's going to be hard and it's going to be sanctifying, you know. And so, we, you know, my husband and I walked into marriage kind of tiptoeing, waiting for the bomb to drop, you know, and we actually had a great time. It was like, wait, are we doing something wrong? But then when it came to having a, a child, because I nannied, the assumption was like, oh, it's going to be easy. You're going to be fine. And when it was really hard for me, I remember sitting in my room, the lights off, I've been nursing all day, covered in spit up, you know, hadn't showered, you know what I mean? And even just wa watching my husband 
pull out of the uh, the driveway, you know, and just sad, you know, and wrestling through that. And and uh, and I remember telling my husband, what's wrong with me? I'm, I must be so sinful that here is this blessing that I've received and I'm just sad, you know, and I remember him telling me this isn't because you're sinful. He says hormones. And I was like, hormones oh I didn't even think about that you know and I think I think that's a part of this conversation in that even when it comes to mental health we often can associate it with demon possession you know so it's just like okay repent you know have more faith and get it together um Mm -hmm. you know there must be some sin inside of you that's the reason that you're struggling not the reality that well wait we're in a fallen world now there could be sin right you know you could be struggling with depression or anxiety because of sin uh, but we're also in a fallen world and we have a fallen body so what does it look like to be fallen to be weak um, you know, that everything hasn't been restored yet, you know. Um, and so how do we wrestle when, you know, physiological things are happening? Um, and it's not that I don't want to trust the Lord in the moment, but my body is doing things. And now I have to fight against my mind and my body. And it's like they're fighting, they're working against me, you know. Um, so I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. But you know, that was just so eye-opening for me in that moment. And and I remember also reaching out to women, like, why didn't you say anything? Why did you say this was going to be easy? And for some women, it is easy, but for some, it's not, because it really does depend on who you are as a mother, what's going on with your child, like the circumstances is really uh, what matters. And so, yeah, it's like... Yeah, and it's just an example of mental, mental health issues. Um, it's just like... One little bit, but it's just so complex and so varied depending on your history, depending on your upbringing and on your physiological, biological makeup, because it's real. It's absolutely real. I, I, we will recommend some uh, resources at the end, but I have to mention it already. Um, the, the Body Keeps the Score is an excellent book that you should grapple with. Uh, Because, you know, science backs up the fact that our bodies tell the story and keep the story of everything that's happened. And not only in our generation, but past generations. And it's it's a fact. So um, it's something that as Christians, we need to consider and be kind to one another and humble to one another. And I think part of the, the issue of why it's so stigmatized in church is that I think we have this oversimplified understanding of what biblical joy is and so I think there's a lot of pressure for people to be joyful but they equate that with just feeling happy or being happy on the outside right and I, and I think there there's no nuance to being joyful as a Christian even in the midst of your sadness and your suffering so I think that's one reason and I also think especially in the west there's such a high view of intellect that we I think look down on emotions um, I think there's a lot of different reasons for that, but I, so I, I think anytime like emotions are seriously involved, we almost like brush it aside as like, that's not biblical or that's not right or, or, and so I think there's just so many reasons as to why we as a church, we're not good about dealing with mental health. Mm. 
That's good. I remember even going to a church where anything that was emotional was looked at in a negative way. You know, having emotions, everything was bad. And it's like, well, wait, the Lord has created us as emotional beings. That's a part of who we are. Um, Now, certainly we can engage our emotions in an unhelpful way. Um, But how can we engage our emotions um, and our anxieties in a healthy way? And and any scriptures that come to mind too? I think balance (laughs) um, with anything. Um, I think we need to acknowledge that we are emotional beings. And not only are we emotional beings, but I think God uses our emotions to tell us something about what's going on. What are the things that are deep in our hearts? Um, And yet at the same time, not to be controlled by those emotions because we shouldn't let anything uh, um, have a hold over us. And, you know, we talked a lot about the Psalms when we were discussing this episode. And I don't know how anyone can read through the Psalms and not think that we should be emotional. (laughs) The psalmists were very emotional. Um, And one psalm in particular that I always hold dearly um, is Psalm 88. You know, a lot of the psalms, even in their sadness, um, they come to a conclusion of, yet the Lord is good. But Psalm 88 is the only psalm that doesn't end in a good note. Psalm 88 ends in a bleak note. And yet there's still glimpses of like salvation and grace in that psalm. And for me, that psalm has been such an encouragement to me that even in the days where I can't get myself to utter the words of praise and end on a good note, the Lord is still there for me. And there's validation in that God knows that we have those deep and dark days where we cannot muster up enough faith to utter those words. God still sees us and he still loves us. He can handle it. Yes. <laughs> he can handle it. Uh, how how we edit our prayers tells a lot about who we think God is. Mm-hmm. I've learned to let go of so much. And, uh, you know, sometimes people assume uh, wrongly that you have this exuberant prayer life and just like edit it and if you could listen in to my prayer sometimes, I'm like a six-year-old, but I know my father can handle it. Um, he, and so that is a very comforting thought for me, what you just said. Um, God gave us the emotions not to be run over by them, but they are real. And he can and wants us to come to him. And you are absolutely right. During the most darkest time in my life, the only Bible reading that I could actually stomach was the Psalms. It gave me language and it gave me permission to to come to God with a mess of everything. And it's there. It's explicit and it's beautiful and acceptable. It's part of the canon. It's good. I think about, you know, just our weakness And, you know, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I think often, you know, whether we're struggling with mental health or struggling with our emotions or, um, you know, just tempted towards depression, um, that the reality is I think it's pointing us to the fact that we are weak, that we're needy, um, and we have a God who's here ready to bear our burdens, Um, a God who understands, you know, uh, who cares for us. Uh, who sympathizes with our weaknesses. And, uh, and and it's interesting because, you know, when you're struggling with mental health, uh, so, you know, I mentioned 
really struggling with anxiety and panic attacks in particular uh, for about four or so years. And it's kind of started after having this car accident. And I had never struggled or never even thought of myself as like an anxious person. And I remember I would, you know, have other people who would come and say that they struggle with anxiety. It's like, oh, just trust the Lord. You know, you're going to be okay. And then you go through it and you realize, huh, this is different. There is so much nuance here. Um, and, and it's a reminder of the reality that we, that we sit in every day, which is that we are needy, we are weak. Um, and I, I had to learn in those very hard, that hard season, what does it mean to cast my cares over to the Lord? And I had to confess that I don't know what that means. Yeah, I've read the scripture, you know, I've read Philippians 4 over and over again, but I really don't practically know what it means uh, to give this over to the Lord and learning to pray without ceasing. That every moment that I felt anxious, I would just cry out to God in my mind. You know, I might be having dinner with friends and I feel like I'm about to hyperventilate or I feel like I want to faint. And I just had to learn what, you know, to say, God, help me. Uh, I need you right now. Um, you know, help me to calm down. Help me to, you know, be able to see what's actually happening in this moment. That this is a safe place. That you're here, and it's safe not because of anything circumstantially. It's safe because God is here. <laughs> it's safe because you're with me, Emmanuel. You know, and you'll never leave me. And um, and and that like really transforms me um, in so many ways. It made me grateful to be able to experience anxiety um, because it, it helped me to realize I need God. And, uh, and, you know, I remember even Johnny Erickson Tata, who, you know, struggles with, you know, physical um, pain and being a quadriplegic. And um, I remember her saying, like, I was preparing for a conference once and we were on a prayer call together. And she prayed and she said, God, like, help me to breathe. And, um, and just the reality that like, we all need that level of help and dependency, but we just don't realize it. Um, like the reason that we're breathing right now is because of the Lord, you know, um, the reason we're able to tie our shoe is because of the Lord. Um, and I think when we're in a season of suffering like this, it just reminds us, uh, I need you, Lord, you know, every moment, you know. Yeah, I think what you just said just really resonates with my heart because like a big part of my personal story is um, having been sexually assaulted when I was a child and living with the trauma of that and going through long seasons of my life of depression, going to counseling, working through it. And, you know, I, I always get reminded of the idea of like the thorn in the side for Paul. And I, I think there was a moment in my life where I I just came to this realization that this may be the thorn in my side, that I may never be freed of this completely in my life, but there's nothing else in my life that makes me realize how much I need the Lord. And if this is the way in which the Lord will draw me to himself, then praise the Lord. And I think there's been, you know, seasons of my life where, and I'm sure anyone who's been, through depression could understand that like it's hard to explain that you just feel walled in you feel there's no escape you're stuck in a box in your own head and you can't explain that to people 
and it's so internal and you feel so much that it's your fault that you can't get out of it. And I just remember, like, there's been so many seasons like that where I'm just at the end of my rope, feeling completely like the world around me has stopped. And yet the Lord is still good to me. And, and yet I still have hope that one day I'm not just going to have a perfect physical body. I'm going to have a perfect mind. Amen. I'm going to have a perfect mind that is free of this torture and pain where we can actually be happy every day. And I just want that to be an encouragement to all of our listeners who may struggle with mental health. Like part of the promise of new heaven and new earth is you're going to have a new mind <laughs> and you're never going to suffer with sadness. You're never going to cry tears of sadness. You're never going to feel anxious. You're never going to have trouble breathing, all of those things. And I think um, to know that that is our hope in those dark times. I mean, I go back to like the Psalms, right? I feel like at the end of the day, you have to cling on to what is greater than just even the temporary relief we look for here on earth. Yeah. Yeah. And as somebody that um, walks alongside a dear sister with bouts of depression and is uh, a young mother, um, I just want to encourage all of us that don't suffer in that particular way. Don't try to fix another person (laughs) don't try to fix them don't try to um make them happy (laughs) by any superficial means be there listen and even just send a meal and hug and and on on days where they want to be left alone it's fine don't try to make them um do something that they no, not ready to do and you know show patience that also preaches the gospel be kind I think in that you sense. said one of the most important things that we can all do and that is walk alongside yeah um when people are broken in heart when they're struggling with pain when we're listening to our, the own voice in our head um it doesn't it, it's it's not a big ask to come alongside and love them well and just walk alongside them with that. You don't have to talk while you're walking. You literally can just be in it with the mess. That's what um, one of the uh, most wonderful things that I've observed um, in the book of Job is his friends. And at the very beginning, well, until they start talking, (laughs) yeah, before they open their mouth. For seven days and seven nights, I believe it was. They were they doing were so just good. There. <laughs> Up to that point, they were doing so good. Exactly right. I actually don't think that's such a bad point. I think there's times we feel we need to say something. Yes. When actually just to be in there yeah. is what someone needs. Yeah, that's don't true. pretend to know. We don't know. It's too deep. And we we don't need to know. We need to be there. Right. And we don't need to say, I understand, when you don't. Yeah. Any other thoughtful things? What's been helpful for you, for those who've walked just beside you, would you say? Yeah, I mean, again, I think when people mean really well when they say things, um, but on this end, the nothing you're saying is new. 
they're all thoughts that I've had before as well. And they've all, they're all thoughts that I've gone through. I think some of the most helpful things for me have, um, you know, in days where I can't muster up the strength to just be jolly and normal, my friends just treating me normal. They don't make a big deal out of the fact that I can't be happy that day. We just go get a meal together. I love movies. Maybe we won't go watch a movie together. And they ask me if I'm okay. And if, you know, I don't want to talk about it, we move on, you know. I think to part of it is, I don't know about you all, but like when I'm in that 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 phase, um, part of what's hard is I just feel so disconnected from everyone around me and the world around me. Like I feel so isolated um, and it's just so helpful for someone to just treat me like a normal being in, in, a, in part of their everyday life. And so something that seems so meaningless is actually very meaningful to someone like me. And I think everyone is different. You got to ask that person, how can I help? Mm -hmm. But for me, that's been really helpful. Any resources that you guys recommend on the topic? Yeah, Dan Allender's podcast is excellent. Anything he wrote. Yeah, I love Dan Allender. <laughs> and anyone, um, I just want to say anyone who is an um, adult and has gone through childhood sexual trauma like myself, um, he has a book called The Wounded Heart that has been transformative in my life, and I highly recommend that as Great. well. Great. I, I will also recommend um, Diane Langberg's books are fantastic so yeah go get everything that she has ever published is fantastic um, I've also really found um, Ed Welsh's stuff um, really helpful he does this um, little book called um, little book of it's a small book for anxious hearts and um, but the one that I found most helpful was um, it does this depression it's like looking up from the um, the stubborn darkness um, and he really tackles it really well. There's also a, an, another one that's a bit bizarre, but he, bizarre just because it's not quite. When you look at it, you think it's not. It's not going to be on it. He does this one called "Blame It on the Brain," and when you're starting to think through um, some of the reasons for why you're feeling like what we were talking earlier, um, it might it might not it might be more than it might be a, a health issue. It might be something, and so he helps you think through those things. Um, I found those um, really, really helpful, actually. That's good. I guess I would just add A Spiritual Depression by Martin Lloyd-Jones as well. Um, this has been rich. Thank you, ladies, for sharing. Can I add one more resource? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's been really helpful for me. It's this short little um, writing by B.B. Warfield called The Emotional Life of Our Lord. And he basically just explores the range of emotions that Jesus felt in his humanity here on earth while still being sinless. And it's this affirmation that your, your emotions are not all caused by sin. Um, and I think it really is a comforting read because it reminds you that Jesus truly can sympathize with you in all your range of emotions. So I highly That's recommend great. that one. Awesome. Thanks, ladies. I want to um, thank Sujin. I feel like um, even though we talk about it, and I know it's my thing and I go on about it a lot, um, I sometimes think that as older women, when we open ourselves up and are honest about what's going on in our hearts, our struggles and the the, the, the things that have happened to us, it encourages the, the younger Christians to go, actually, I need to have this conversation too. And then we get the chance to walk alongside and so I appreciate, appreciate your bravery there. 
Um, I want to shine the light on our differences, um, as usual. And I want to think through, um, besides praying, right, which is where we would all go. I mean, we know this. Um, it's the first place to port a call. But what other things do you think have helped you take care of your emotional well-being? Blair, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I I love going to the beach um, as well. I think just being in nature and being able to slow down. Um, so one of the things that I I love I love taking the bus, like public transportation, because it, I don't have to drive. I can slow down. I can read a book. Could go to the beach, walk the beach, pray. Um, so any nature, that's just my jam, and it, I, I feel like it gives me clarity of mind. Um, yeah, it helps me to like think through things well. So. For me, um, I love spending time with my dog, Ginny. <laughs> um, I just think there's this kind of peace that only comes to me when I'm sitting there petting my dog. I'm a huge believer that God gave us dogs for our own emotional and mental well-being. He's a helper dog. Yes. 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 You know, yes. I, I, my dog's a rescue. And, I, you know, I, I adopted my th- dog thinking I'm going to help her. But she's just, I feel like she's rescued me. <laughs> and she's, I'm, you know, she's like my therapy dog. Yeah. What kind of dog do you have? She's a mutt. She's a rescue from Thailand. Oh. Yeah, I'm like a street dog. Oh. Yeah, um, so I guess I would go with um, Diane Langberg's advice to seek beauty in any form. And for me, it's dancing. I love merengue. I love love hip hop. Later when we celebrate our season finale. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I love, I love happy music. I, I dance, I move. I've given myself the permission. For years, I didn't because it was, you know, deemed upon like sinful right. in the congregation or the circle that I that I uh, uh, was part of before. And I've re- I've recently found so much joy in connect- reconnecting my body in this walk with Christ. And I know the Lord smiles when He sees me doing my merengue moves <laughs> in my room. You'll be smiling also when we get to see your merengue moves. <laughs> um, I find, I, I'm, I have one of those brains um, that just turns things over all the time. And so there's few things that can make it go quiet. And so for me, one of the things that's really, really helpful is it, I, just, I take my, my dog and I start walking up um, the hill. And I think the first half of, half of the the walk is me processing and and in nature the sounds everything my brain's just trying to file everything in the right order process what i'm thinking and then i start having the conversation with myself like what is it that's really going on with you and the dog's oblivious off running chasing <laughs> some sort of rabbit but the whole time it's this walk it's a safe place um to just walk and think through what's going on with like no, I, I'm not a big fan of walking with someone at that moment. It's like the silence, um, that conversation with God as we go. So yeah, I, I do that. Walk the dog. He's always happy ch- chasing a rabbit. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, kiddos. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us on this um, episode. I know it was a little heavy, but I also feel more lighthearted. I feel like um, it was so good for us to just share and talk about this topic that can be so stigmatized in our churches. And 
for all of our listeners, um, as we end, I just want to remind you that no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what kind of anxieties or uh, mental health you may be wrestling with, you are still the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill shall not be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a basket, but on a light stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Thank you for joining us, and please join us next week for our final episode. Glow is a part of the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network. To listen to more shows by TGC, visit tgc.org slash podcasts.